Hi, this is Nicole Roberts-Jones, and welcome to the Faith, Purpose, Profit, what I like to call the FPP podcast. What I know for sure is that one of life's greatest gifts will meet you when you go after living as the highest and best version of who God created you to be. So here's where I share thought-provoking insight and behind-the-curtain conversations that will activate you into your next level. See, I'm not here for who you already are, but for who you have not yet become. And I want you to get this. One idea from these episodes can make a remarkable difference, not just in your purpose-focused business, but in your life. Also, make sure you join the conversation in our Facebook group. Go to thebrilliancetribe.com. Now grab your pen as we begin today's session of the Faith Purpose Profit Podcast. Let me tell you why I do these uh, conversations every week. The reason why I connect faith with purpose and profit is the one missing ingredient I see so many faith-based entrepreneurs leave out is faith. They leave God out of them running their business. As I come in and have these conversations with you every week, I want you to see how faith is the missing ingredient that will make the difference in you having a successful business. That is why I do the faith purpose practice. So Monday is kind of like a Bible study, but here's the other thing I've realized in me doing the work that I've been doing, I've been researching my next book, many of you guys have, uh, know that, is as I'm studying this whole thing God has called me to do, which is help people get in alignment with their assignment, which is to start businesses, the, the, in every book I've read, whether it's Purpose Driven Life, you know, I, I won't go through all the books I've been studying, it doesn't talk about building a business. And then the business books don't talk about building your faith. So on Mondays, I'm committed. Or when I come do these conversations with you every week, because there's a part one and a part two, I'm committed that I give you everything you need to, com- to, to, to connect your faith with purpose and profit. You need all three, all right? So we're continuing with a six-part series. Today is part three as we talk about stop fighting your GPS. Yeah, you have a GPS that's automatically programmed in you. But let me do a quick review of the first two sections that I started with. I love that you guys are talking to each other. Those of you that are here live, yes, I'm glad. So what's W-O-G? Greetings to you, woman of God. Oh, hello, hello. Um, Got to learn all these little phrases. <laughs> so with that said, listen, I started a six-part series a couple of weeks ago with you. And the six-part series is why your business, it was why business matters to God, but really it's why your business matters to God. I want to encourage you, if you've missed any of those parts, the way I teach one leads to the next, I want to encourage you to go back and listen. You can listen to previous weeks by going to my podcast. FPPpodcast.com is where you can go listen to the free, the previous two weeks if you've missed any. As I'm going to review quickly, but I'm not going to give it all to you. So we started week one with, again, why business is important to God. And we looked at the creation in, in the Bible. We started with Genesis 1 and 2. The thing that's interesting is people, and by the way, I've gotten a lot of comments on this and people are saying God didn't work. Uh, hello, what does creating mean? The word creating means, I'm looking down at the, the, the definition that I pulled from Webster. Okay, so I didn't write this. It says to bring something into existence, to produce or bring about by a course of action. So I dug into that and how not only did God do the first work, but Jesus worked too. Y'all realize Jesus was a carpenter. Hello, that's work. 
And so as we each were born in this world, God gave us our own special work to do. So I dug into that in part one. Then part two, last week, I talked about the fact that what a relay teaches you about having a successful business, because it's a relay. Listen, there are two things that are, are magic in a relay race, and it's the passing of the baton and the catching of it. And so last week, I talked about the fact that God passed us his image. Mm -hmm. And so how did you catch it? Maybe you didn't all the way catch it yet. Maybe you're a little bit of the way catching it. But not only do you have to catch it, but then you have to toss it back off yourself. And so even when you think about relay, I'm really talking about relationship. And you can't even spell relationship without saying relay first. Because a relationship is a relay, is how you toss and catch. We're going to continue that part of the conversation as we begin to look at this week, Stop Fighting Your GPS. Now, I like to think that uh, GPS is uh, God's placement system. The thing that's interesting is when we each were born to this world, God put a placement system inside of us. It's called your purpose. And even I talked about that in regards to image last week. So if y'all missed it, fpppodcast.com, go listen to that episode. But I need you to understand this. You know, when I was thinking about how, what to call this week, what popped in my mind, and I hope he doesn't hear me. He might. He might come in here and say something, too. The thing that's interesting is when I'm driving in a car with my husband, he is always fighting the GPS as if he knows where he's going. Probably heard me. <laughs> and how many of you do that? How many of you fight the GPS as if it doesn't know the direction to give you? Now, I will admit that sometimes the GPS will be off, but God is our GPS is never off. God does not make a mistake. He's not confused. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't recalibrate, although we sometimes need to because we're not following direction. So listen, Following direction is the same thing that helps us matriculate through school, helps us get the grades we want to get. It helps us also to matriculate to the next grade. Following direction is what helps us do well at work because our boss gives us directives or the company we work for gives us directives, which becomes a benchmarks by way we actually are showing that we're doing good work. Even as an entrepreneur, you've got to have benchmarks. We're going to talk about that next week. But you've got to have some insight, but you've got to have the directive to get to that insight. Listen, even in relationships, even in health, even with your bank account, we all have certain things that we know we shouldn't, shouldn't do. Oh, I could talk all day long. Many of you that are with me every week, you know, health is my current struggle being in perimenopause. There's things I know I shouldn't, shouldn't eat. But see, that's a directive. That's instruction. If I follow the GPS, I'll get to my goal. Even my bank account. If I follow my GPS, I'll get to my goal. But if I don't, then I won't. And so your business is no different. So we're continuing this conversation of why your business is important to God. It's really looking at this directive that God has given to us. So I want to continue. We started looking at John 15 last week. So I want to continue that. I take that sip of water. So let's read John. We're going to read 15, 9, and 10. And you're going to see I'm going to repeat some verses over from last week, and you're going to see how these things I'm teaching you really kind of go and expand each other so deep. Okay. So John 15, 9, and 10 says this. As the, as the Father loved me, so this is Jesus reminding you, talking to the disciples, those of you that have been with me every week. As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in him. 
So for our conversation this week, as we talk about stop fighting your GPS, the first piece I want to pull out of this Bible verse is the word abide. Now, two Bible verses, I should say. Now, what's interesting is Jesus said abide three times. It's like, Jesus, why are you repeating yourself? Now, anytime there is a series of Bible verses and they say the same words over and over again, it's obviously important. Let me read it one more time so you hear it. Okay. As a father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So the word abide means to remain in place is to accept or act in accordance with. Again, I'm going to say this over again, over and over to remain in place. The one thing I see so many entrepreneurs do is they don't remain in place. You know, God might drop a vision in your spirit. You know, though the vision Terry Wafer, we forget that Habakkuk 2, 2 says that. What's interesting is so many people think it's taking too long or maybe I'm doing something wrong or whatever that is. And then they flee from it, which means you're not abiding. And ultimately, if God has put this purpose inside of you, then he's to give you your directive. And he tells you when to leave and when to move, not you, not your flesh. See, when we're operating in our zone of genius and God is expanding our territory, he's going to call us to be uncomfortable because you're growing. And if you're trusting and abiding, you remain steadfast and unmovable. So I really want to peel this back in this conversation this week. Well, this part one, and we'll do part two even more. And the reason I'm going to do this is because I see so many people that do not abide, don't understand it, don't don't even sign up to it, let alone to, to follow the directive. So like, we'll talk about abide. We'll talk about directive part two. Okay. So listen, John 15, five says, I am the vine. This is God talking now, or Jesus talking on behalf of God. I'm the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, y'all know I always study my Tony Evans study Bible. It's always my favorite. So I looked up this Bible verse, John, um, John 15, five. Hold on, I gotta get to it. And here's what it says under the... Um, under the notes okay so deep y'all a branch that's disconnected from the vine is useless i'm gonna say that one more time a vine that's disconnected a branch that's disconnected from the vine is useless so also we can't produce fruit unless we remain in jesus the idea of remaining our body in christ has to do with intimacy and relationship remember i just talked about relay from last week you can't avoid jesus all week and then show up on sunday morning expecting to grow we only produce much fruit when we remain in him. So this whole thought of remaining is a huge piece. So let's talk about the three things you've got to do to abide. And I really want you to think about where you are in deficit in these three, because I, as I'm doing this six part series, as I share with you, I'm doing a study because I'm writing my next book, but God is showing me the areas that don't get talked about in business, especially a faith-based business, okay? So first thing you gotta do to abide, again, to remain in place, to wait patiently for. For what? For directive, we'll talk about directive tomorrow. But you gotta remain in place. This is what my husband doesn't do with the GPS. He doesn't remain in place. He starts to do his own thing. He starts to listen to his own self. Like, I know better than the GPS. How? When we live, never lived here, you don't even know what street you're on right now. And many of you, that's what's happening as you start your business. You are not remaining in place. When you've never started a business before, 
or those of you that are at a place it's time to grow your business, you've never grown a business, not at the level where you feel is next for you, but you're listening to your own direction when you've never been here before. Come on, somebody. So dare I say, without loving me, you don't know what the heck you're doing. Because my husband don't know where he's going. And neither do you half the time. But you're going to give yourself direction, girl, bye. And boy, bye. <laughs> and I can say that because that was me for years in my business that I thought, oh, I have a master's degree. I have a graduate degree. I should know. Yeah, I didn't know. Okay, how brilliant I was. I didn't know. So the first thing I had to learn to do was to spend time with God. Yes, you've got to spend time with God. Now, those of you that are in my tribe, you hear me talk about this. This is one of the concepts I am always talking to my clients about, and I give them tools to do it. They call us human beings, but we're not. We're human doings. Because we focus on what do I need to do, what do I need to do, what do I need to do, then we leave out our being. See, it's in our being that God shows up. It's in our being that God will talk to us. So listen, let's go back to this relationship thing. If I'm growing a relationship, so let's say I'm dating my husband. If I'm never going to date with him, how am I growing to get to know him? And how am I growing our relationship more and more as we are together longer and longer? I've been married for 15 years. Dating, if I count that, been 18. God, it's been that long. <laughs> if I don't spend the time learning and growing, so things are happening with my husband and his career and things are happening in mine. If we don't spend time sharing with each other, how do we grow together? This is where couples grow apart. But do you want to grow apart from God? So you've got to have time to get to know him and to date God. I said it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because the only way you're going to grow you is to spend the time and grow in your relationship. So that's number one. The second thing, which is the hardest thing, is to trust. I think the reason why I know the reason my husband doesn't listen to the GPS is because he doesn't trust it. Well, if you spend time with God, you grow that trust. That's that faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, I think this is probably the most repeated Bible verse by me. <laughs> one of my favorites. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I'm going to encourage you. Here's first bit of homework. Go read the entire chapter of Hebrews 11. It's like the faith chapter. It talks about all these people and all the things they did to have faith. Now, I want to read in my commentary the first piece under Hebrews 11. Now, listen, I put these little bookmarkers here. Then I can never get to them because <laughs> I'm trying to hurry up. Okay, so Hebrews 11, 1 in my commentary come on and turn page <laughs> okay this is what it says how does the writer of hebrews define faith okay so i just said it but i'm gonna read to you the way he has it written here faith is a reality of what is hoped for the proof of what is not seen to exercise faith is to have confidence about an expectation without visible proof that it will happen isn't that what the GPS is? Don't we expect the GPS to get us to that final destination without proof that we're going to get there? And see, the thing that's interesting is you won't have proof because you've never been there. So how do you even know the directions are right or not? See, I put all my trust in my GPS. I have no idea where I'm going when I'm using the GPS. So if we could do that with a GPS, those of you that use your GPS the right way, then what would happen if we just totally relied on God? If he put the gift inside you, he knows where you're going. He knows all the plans he has for you, says the Lord. Plans for hope and a future. That's a Bible verse. Somebody knows what it is, write it. I think it's in Jeremiah. But he knows that for each of his children. Okay, so let me keep reading. 
What makes this confidence possible? The trustworthiness of the is the object, excuse me, the trustworthiness of the object of faith. The question we must answer is this, is God trustworthy? Is he? Is God trustworthy? And as I say, faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Ooh, that's good. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. It's knowing it. It's not doubting it. It's standing and remaining in place. That's abiding. And it's growing in your understanding of God. See, as you grow your relationship, you grow in your understanding. As I've got to know my husband, I know the decisions he'll make about things without having to talk to him. I already know the things he'll think. Thank you, Letitia. There was Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you hope and a future. Need y'all to get that, okay? Believers, this is me reading in my study Bible again. Believers of the past trusted him by faith and won God's approval. Notice that each of the heroes of the faith mentioned in this chapter acted on what they believed. Not what they could see, y'all. So go read Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's a great reminder of how you abide. How do you remain in place when you cannot see how it's going to be possible? God does his greatest work when you cannot see how the heck he can do it. So what I want to do really quickly is share, uh, have a guest come in and, and pour into you more about this whole faith conversation. I'll come back and we'll go more into this. That's step two. I have a third step around abiding. And then we'll close out our conversation for this part one. All right. So here's my special guest. Hang tight. Here we go. Go back to verse one. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any should seem to come short of it. Come on, verse two. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with your prophet is tied to your faith no faith no prophet no faith no prophet the word did not profit as strong as God's word is it did not profit them not mixed with faith so good. I had to play that because the number of people that send me inbox messages telling me, how can I talk about God and profit? Okay, the Bible said, and then here we go, Bishop T.D. Jakes. Listen, the reason you're not profiting is because your faith is tied to your profit. No faith, no profit. And many of you, the reason why your business has not taken off is you want it to be easy. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to do it afraid. Y'all hear me say this all the time. So let me read in my commentary. So the Bible verses again that T.D. Jakes just read was Hebrews 4, chapter 1, I mean, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Okay. So here's what Tony Evans says, verse 2. This is my commentary. It says, the Israelites received good news. So this is, you guys remember about the Israelites have been promised this, the, the promised land and how they stayed going around this uh, mountain 40 years because they didn't believe. Okay. Now, this is a deep part. They're at the edge of their mountain. They're talking about it in Hebrews because it's got to be good. They're talking about it in the New Testament. This has all happened in the Old Testament. Y'all with me? Okay, so I'm going to read this whole because it's good. Can't miss nothing underneath this. Okay. The Israelites received good news. Not good news about heaven, but about Canaan. 
That's the land that was promised. But the message didn't benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. So they didn't profit, they didn't gain from the news because they weren't in alignment with the faith that the people that were giving it to them had. Y'all with me? Who were those who heard it in faith? Well, when God brought Israel to the edge of the promised land, 12 spies entered on a recognizance mission. Afterward, 10 of them said, we can't take Canaan. The job's too big for us. Only two, jo jo Joshua and Caleb, believed God and said, yes, we can do it with God's help. Unfortunately, the people of Israel believed the majority report. They believed the spies. As a result, God refused to let any of that generation enter in the land except for Joshua and Caleb. You know why? Because they had faith. Y'all getting my point? Unbelief for the unbeliever is a refusal to act like God is telling the truth. Unbelief for the believer is a refusal to act like God is telling the truth. Even when you can't see any evidence around you, God doesn't lie. He doesn't change his mind. He's not going to shift. If he gave you a vision, he meant it. That settles it. Should. But then we have the nerve to come in and say, well, I think God maybe, maybe God didn't mean it the whole way. Let me shift this around. No, he meant it the whole way, boo. Mm-hmm. It's easy to side with the majority, but if the majority rejects the will of God, they'll lead you to failure. And then it goes on to talk about this. When we embellish our problems, we make them bigger than they are. We, when we embellish the Lord, we remind ourselves that he's bigger than we think. He's bigger than any problem. He's bigger than your bank account. He's bigger than your boss. He's bigger than anything that could get, be in the way of you going after your purpose. But the question is, do you trust him? For many of you, the reason your business hasn't taken off is as simple as trust. And if you're having a faith issue, that means you need to spend some time to grow your faith. The third thing you've got to do, and I go on and on about this, but I want you to see where you're in deficit, is you've got to be intentional. I see so many people that say, well, I'm praying about it. Praying is not an intention. When you activate your faith, that's an intention. You with me? So I need you to understand that it's going to take you to activate it. You got to be intentional. You can't just do whatever, whenever, however. You can't just do what you feel like doing. You go back to what I talked about, the relation, I mean, the abiding to remain in place. So if I'm going to talk about me and my directive around my health, because God snatched my edges about two months ago, told me I wasn't being a good steward of my health because I was having a day to glass of wine out in my own self. My trainer said, oh, weekend wine is fine, girl, but every day you need to cut back on it. I was like, yeah, anyway, I'm not listening to her. Y'all will listen to directions. I wonder why my health wasn't shifting. Oh, I'm out in my own self. I can give you examples in every area of my life. So you've got to understand. You've got to spend time to get to know God. That's how trust is built. You can't be on your grandmother's trust, your mother's trust, your best friend's trust. You got to be on your own trust because this is your own relationship. And then you've got to get intentional with your purpose. Okay. So here's how you get intentional with your relationship and with you doing the work that God has called you to do. One, you've got to be deliberate with your time. You know, when I say that, it makes me think of Maxine Waters. You guys remember a couple of years ago when uh, she was on the Senate floor and one of the, I can't remember who it was, I kept trying to take her time and he wasn't answering her question. She kept interrupting him saying, reclaiming my time. You're not answering my question. <laughs> she was clear. Are you clear? Have you taken the time? If you're not clear, then maybe that's the first step. You need to get clear on what your purpose is. That's setting an intention. 
but you can't just set it and not then do the work to do it. Be clear on what you're going to do to work toward it. So set the intention and we work toward it. And as you work toward it, focus, because there'll be all kinds of things that will come and distract you from whatever that is. That distraction is just like the um, spies that came in for the recognizant mission and threw all the rest of the children of Israel off from their promise. But Joseph and Caleb were clear, intentional, didn't shift with the wind, they were focused and they got exactly what God intended for them. See, God has something so great for each of us, for you and for me. Oh, I'm gonna get all of mine. How about you? Why? Because I'm gonna abide. I'm going to check myself and I'm not because as long as we're in the, in the flesh, we're not going to be perfect in this whole journey to abide. But the more we spend time with God, the more we grow, the more we get help. Sometimes the reason your business isn't moving forward is because you're trying to give yourself directive from someplace you've never been. That's why having a coach is important. Mm-hmm. The teacher said, whew, you're not kidding. Make a decision to move in purpose. The enemy comes to distract you, right? Because listen, you guys, I want you to get this. Think about what this world would look like if all of us are operating in our purpose. Think about phenomenal. Everything would be, it would be like we were recreating the Garden of Eden. Now, of course, we can't recreate it because, you know, we won't get into Eve and her hot messiness because same thing happened to her. The snake came in and shifted and diverted her attention. See, she was abiding before then. And then he said, girl, you know, you got, there's a whole other thing. But she didn't trust God. She trusted what the serpent said. So the way you start to get clear and aligned to God is abiding, is spending that time. It's learning to trust him even when you can't see it, even when it's scary. And entrepreneurship, I'm not going to lie to you, is not easy. But if I want to get to Oprah or Tyler Perry or let's see Steve Bezos status, oh, I bet you they can tell you all the scary things they had to go through. So the question is this. Will you abide? Will you remain in place? That's what Joshua and Caleb did. Hebrews 4, 1 and 2. Go read it. And what you've got to decide. Here's what I've learned. Fear is faith in reverse. Fear is faith in reverse. So you can either choose to stay in fear and a fear will paralyze you and keep you right where you are. Hello, children of Israel. Our faith means I'm scared, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to work my faith in the middle of this fear. Fear does not go away. So to say I'm going to be fearless, that ain't real. Especially when you're playing on a big level. But guess what? I think those fearful moments come because then you have to totally rely on God. We're going to stop here and take a quick commercial break. And we'll be back for more. Hello, highly skilled professional. Yes, I'm talking to you. Whether you have a desire to start a business alongside your 9 to 5, or you've already started a business and you're ready to make predictable revenue. See, I've created something to support you, and it's called the Brilliance Roadmap Quiz. And guess what? It's free. Learn more about it at brilliancerodemapquiz.com. See, taking this assessment ask you some specific questions that will assess where you are in the journey and then from there you'll be invited into a five-part training again for free that will give you the tools you need to move from where you are into the next steps to start or grow your purpose-focused business right now you ready learn more and get started today by going to brilliance roadmap continuing 
with part three in this series, Stop Fighting Your GPS. So with that, our foundational Bible verse for this conversation that I read in part one, I'm going to read again here, is John 15, verse 9 and 10. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So in part one, we talked abide. To abide is a verb. It's active. Abiding in God is not a feeling or a belief. It's something that we do. It remains to stay, to remain. And it tells far more than just belief is activating the belief. So to continue this conversation, if we're going to follow God as our GPS, as our direction, then we've got to follow directions. Or we hear the word in the Bible, it says it over and over again, it says obey. So here again, we're going to focus on John 10, excuse me, 15, 10, that says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So let's first look at this because I'm going to look at it from a couple perspectives. I want to look at it from a discipline perspective. I want to look at it from a perspective on obey. Now, before I do either one of those, I want to go back to episode one. So I want you to realize that in the first reference I made as we started this series, again, talking about why business is important to God, we started by looking at creation in Genesis chapter one and two. So I'm going to bring this to uh, the highlight as we talk about this whole conversation around direction and obeying. Genesis 2, 2 says, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. So God worked for six days and he kept one for rest. I want you to get that this is a limit that God himself observes. He set limits, which is an act of discipline. <laughs> so Webster defines discipline as control that is gained by requiring rules or orders to be obeyed. Now, I prefer uh, the Webster, I mean, not the Webster, the Wikipedia definition. And here's what Wikipedia said. It said, discipline is when one uses reason to determine the best course of action, regardless of one's desires. See, God knew we all needed to have discipline and order in our lives. And that is why I believe that Bible verse is there. And that is why I believe God was the example and why we are made in his image. Y'all following me? I talked about image last part two. We talked about creation part one. Again, if you missed any of it, because I'm not going to go into that, but I want you to see how this part three is, is adding to that conversation. So again, we're focusing here on, on John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. So there's a discipline component in it. It's not just the emotional love or the feeling. It's the action. Listen, if I use kids for an example, don't you punish your kids? Why do you punish your kids? Because they're doing something out of alignment with rules. Now, there are rules that kind of govern the world, which is why people go to jail, because they're out of alignment. But there are also rules in your house. Hello. All my mommies and daddies that are listening out there. So in the same way, God has rules to create order. See, I want you to get this. Discipline, number one, builds good habits. The reason why as a mother, even as an auntie, because I don't have any natural kids, even as a bonus mom, 
My bonus kids tried. <laughs> or when my wonderful godchildren or, or nieces or nephews try, the reason why we discipline them and talk to them about why that what they just did isn't acceptable is because as they grow up, we want them to have good habits. Number two, discipline helps you stop procrastination. Listen, if you take the time to create order and create a plan, you can push yourself through because again, remember I said this whole conversation around discipline or abiding is not just about a feeling, it's an action. So even when you don't feel like it, discipline says, let me get my butt up and act on it. Like I did this morning to work out. I never feel like working out by the way, never, <laughs> which is discipline every day in and of itself. Number three, discipline helps you manage your time better. Now I talked about this in, in part one, to be deliberate with your time, as our example, Maxine Waters, uh, reclaiming her time. <laughs> By the way, this is why I see so many entrepreneurs fail. When you start your business alongside your nine to five, which by the way, is a smart way to do it. You have 24 hours in a day. If you do not take the time to be deliberate with your time, you'll never get your business started. Never. Number four, discipline helps you achieve goals. So again, if I know like I know that I've got to work out, I've got to, like when I worked my full-time job, I knew I had a coaching client every day. I had to figure out what was going to be the discipline I was going to have during my work day to coach my clients, which would be my lunch hour, which I took in my car when I didn't have an office. So I was committed to that. And that discipline helped me get to this place and looking at how I use every single hour. And I set goals around my time. I want you guys to get this. And goals in my business too, or to grow enough for me to quit. You just don't do whatever, whenever, however. I can't say that enough. The number of people that I meet when they come to coach with me and I ask them where they've been, especially if you've already been in business, the reason your business isn't working is because you don't have any strategy. And you need strategy in four strategic areas. I'm not gonna go into that, but what I want you to get is you can't just do whatever. Which leads us to the fifth area of discipline is important. It helps you master things. Listen, in Malcolm Gladwell's book, and I can't, his name, his name, his book just went out of my head, Jesus. There is this whole concept, actually he calls it the Matthew rule, <laughs> that 10,000 hours is a magic rule to master anything. So I look at people like Beyonce who started her career at nine years old, y'all, 10 years. She practiced every single day in her backyard, every day after school, and in the entire summer. What were you doing after school every day? I was riding my bike. I was playing with my friends. I was doing my homework, maybe. In the summer? Oh, I can tell you about the summer camp trips I took. I wasn't practicing and dancing and, and trying to perfect my craft, no. But that's why Beyonce is who she is. I want you to understand the discipline it took, even if any of you guys, if you've not seen um, uh. Oh, I can't think what it's called. What's wrong with me with my memory this morning? Um, the last movie she did where she danced at Coachella. Um, Yolanda, if you remember what it is, go interrupt me and tell me. I can't think of the name of that movie. But here's the thing I want you guys to get me bringing this up. She had just had her twins. And for her to discipline herself and really work to perform at Coachella the way she did, I need y'all to get that greatness requires discipline. Okay. So 
Now I want to move from discipline to look at the next thing that this is talking about. Because again, he said, I'm abiding in his love because I obey him pretty much. Because other versions, that's what that Bible, same Bible verse says. So you can't expect God to bless you if you won't obey. Just like as a child, you can't expect your parents to bless you. Just like as a worker at a nine to five, you can't expect your job to bless you with a paycheck. If you're not going to follow the directive, that's in your department, that's in your agency, that's in your organization. So here's the thing about obey in the old Testament. Now I, I dug into, and you guys know, I do this whole study and deep dive into this stuff before I bring it to you. So in the old Testament, obey signifies to hear or to listen. The highest significance, it talks about this in the Bible, is that in the realm of or in the relation of man to God, obedience is the test in your faith in God and your reference for him. So if you look at any of the conversations in the Old Testament where it talks about obey, which it talks about obey, that use that obey word way more in the Old Testament than the New, doesn't mean we don't obey in the New Testament. But it was so rigid in the old, and I think we got a little more relational in the new. But 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, to obey is better than sacrifice. The God's word version of that same Bible verse says to follow instruction is better than to sacrifice. The thing that's interesting is in the Old Testament, you remember they used to sacrifice animals as worship. And then Jesus came in the New Testament as a sacrifice to redeem all of us. So we no longer have to sacrifice animals, but I want you to get this. We live, our lives are a living sacrifice. I'll talk about that more in a minute. So if you have faith in God and you trust God, then obedience is the act of living out that faith. So this whole conversation we're having in this series about why business is important to God. You've got to understand that if you're going to follow God's direction and obey his leading, you must know, number one, we're called to be responsible with our purpose. Going back to a conversation in, in last series, when I talked about the fact that God made us in his image and how we're having a relay. See, if Christ is our perfect model of obedience as his disciples, he talked about the fact and really, I believe the stories of the disciples are a modeling for us. Our motivation is for obedience. And that obedience is seen in our love. It's like our act of love is by being obedient. It says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Point blank, period. Don't you feel like that about your kids? I know I do. I know when my, when my niece comes here for the summer, she tries that extra. I look at her like, okay, I think you've lost your mind. Go find it. Come back because you know better than that. She'll laugh, but she'll, she's a teenager, so I can't do like I used to when she was little because, you know, she fights it. But the point I'm making is you got to be responsible with your purpose. So if God created you on purpose with purpose, then you've got to make the time to do it. That's how you, your life becomes a living sacrifice because then you activating your purpose is obedience. And that obedience is an act of worship. So Romans 12, 1, since I keep saying it, let me read this Bible verse. I beseech you, therefore, brethren and sisters, because I see some ladies here, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So I'm saying all of this to say that as we follow God's GPS, 
The thing that I've ultimately had to learn in my own journey is something that I've heard my grandmother say. I heard people at church say, I didn't know what the heck they meant by it. I'm going to peel this back and then I'm going to open up the conversation to hear from all of you is ultimately we've got to learn to let go and let God. So that means to me three things. Now tell me if you're in any of these. And so I know I'm not alone because I think I've been in all three. I know I've been the first one. The first one I had to learn to let go of is a sense of entitlement. See, we, we are proud of ourselves for the accomplishments we've made. Maybe we had all these ambitions and we met the goals. We got these titles, these resumes. And so we hold ourselves in high regard. That was me. I held myself in high regard, proud of myself, teaching at a graduate school level. Listen, I'm from South Central L.A. Who I should be is a woman defined by jail, drugs, or drive-by shootings. There's no way I should have a Ph.D., let alone have a multiple six-figure business working on my million-dollar year. Come on, Lord. But I need you to understand this. Because of all the things that are on our resume, we more than likely will expect things to happen in a certain way. And what you've got to know is God is not entitled to your plans. He didn't sign up for any of that. Listen, he may have started you in a place in your business or in your purpose, but it doesn't mean that God is entitled to what you thought was next. See, God always has a bigger plan that you could ever have for yourself. And so you've got to let go of who you thought you were going to be or where you thought you were going to go and trust that God knows better. After all, if he's going to do abundantly above all that you can ever ask or think, you've got to trust his leading to it because he can see what we can't see. The second thing you've got to let go of is, is the sense of doubt or what many of us have uh, called imposter syndrome. Now, the thing that I think is interesting is when God is taking your abilities and doing something different, putting you in an arena you've never been in before. This was me. I worked in the entertainment industry and then God pulled me over here. I was like, what the heck? I didn't even know what to call this thing that I do back then. And so you can have all these doubting feelings that I don't know what I'm doing or feeling like a fraud. This happens when you start a business, when you're doing the thing that you've been doing and you're doing it in a different way. That is coming up because the enemy's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. If you're going to let go and let God, you got to trust God that, okay, God, I know you're calling me to do this new thing. I don't know what the heck this thing is. This was me, by the way. But I'm trusting you. I had to say that over and over, especially because oftentimes, I'll be honest with you, my flesh didn't feel like it. This is the discipline. But I kept praying and I knew this is where God was directing me. I kept getting all the direction, but my flesh was fighting it. So staying in doubt is problematic because aside from the fact that usually fear is what's coming out when you have doubt, and you probably have heard this, fear is false evidence appearing real. When you peel back the layers and look at that false evidence, you realize it's false. And so what you've got to do is instead of focusing on that, Shift and put your focus on God. The third and final thing you've got to, to let go. You've got to acknowledge God by submitting to him. This is that directive. This is that obeying. See, God is always in complete control if you let him be in control. So if you have that GPS on your, on your car and you're following it to the T and you're not fighting it, like, I don't think I should turn right. I think I need to turn left. And you don't listen and then you end up lost. <laughs> Happens in the car with my husband, I'm just saying. What you've got to understand is the GPS can see what you can't see, especially if you're going somewhere you've never gone before. And the same way, an even more powerful, up-level way, is God can see so much in your future that you can't see. 
So even if it's stressful, even if it's scary, even if it's painful, even through chaos that, that may be happening all around you that you can see, our part is to submit to his will and trust him even when we can't see it. As Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians in Ephesians 6.10, he says, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. So that we can stand in his courage and let him do the thing that he can see, that he wants for your lives. So if we put our all in God, God gives us a path. He gives us a direction. He gives us the most ideal next step to take. But we've got to allow him to be in control. And ultimately, we've got to know this. Jeremiah 29, 11, which I said this in part one, I'm going to say it again here as we begin to open up this conversation. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. But here's the thing that's interesting. The next two Bible verses go on to say, then you will call upon me and go pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. That's all God is asking us to do, to search him and follow him as that relay, as that relationship. Then it doesn't feel like a restrictive obey or restrictive direction. It's because you know him, you have a relationship and you're honoring him and worshiping him in all that you do. So I want to have a healthy conversation about this because this is where I see so many business owners get stuck between what the world says you should be doing and what the spirit says you should be doing, what the vision God gave you says and what you can see in the natural. So as we always do, I want to hear from Yolanda and then please raise your hand. would love to hear from you insight, questions, even if you're stuck in this place and it keeps coming up for you, we want to support you. So with that, good morning, Yolanda. Good morning. My name is Yolanda Churchwell, and I am the System Solutionist. I help women entrepreneurs take the hassle out of their hustle so that they can make more money and have more free time. Um, I must say it again. I said it last week, but it fits here again. We need to know our role and stay in our lane. Okay. And at every funeral, my daddy preaches uh, Proverbs 3, 56, 3, 5, and 6. And so I was thinking about this um, last night when I was when you were on Facebook, and then again this morning. So let's just break that down real quick. First is trust. We all know what trust is. Trust is your measure of faith. You need to trust the Lord. It says, trust the Lord with all your heart. See, these verses break it down, and they're a reminder on the parts that are we're the weakest, where it can go to the left quicker. So a trust in the Lord with all your heart. It doesn't say your mind. Because mind is logical. You know what you know. It don't say your soul because that's something from within you. That's God working in you. That doesn't change. It's our heart that flip-flops. It's your heart when you're in a relationship that make you act funny. It's your heart that makes you get out of character when you feel like somebody has done something. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Make sure that you're being positive with how you're dealing with things. Make sure that your heart is in the right place. Then it says, don't lean on. Or, I'm going to paraphrase, depend on what you know. You, we don't know everything. God is the only somebody that's all-knowing. So, when we trust in what we know, we still only get in part of the picture. One of the things Dr. Phil says that I love is, even if no matter how flat a pancake is, it still has two sides. It's still something you can't see. It's still a back to something. So, we need to trust him and lean on him, depend on him. 
because he's the only somebody who knows. We think we know. We make plans. That doesn't mean anything. And then it says, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding in all your ways. In, not before your ways, not after your ways. Because we good to pray for stuff before it happened. We good to thank God after it happened. What, but what about in the end? In means during, while, throughout. That's when you run into stuff like fear, failure, frustration. That's when you got to trust him the most. That's when stuff like the compar comparison of others can come in and steal your joy. So you got to make sure that in, just like it's in all things, give thanks. Not for all things, but in. So in, make sure you in everything that you do. It says in all your ways. That's your actions, your steps. One of my favorite hymns is order your order my steps. Order my steps in your way, dear Lord. Lead me, guide me every day. It's an everyday process. It's something you have to get up every morning and make a decision that you're going to do. You have to recommit yourself to God. You have to renew your mind and make a decision to do what he tells you to do. And then it's... Uh, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your path. And so good. Path. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you. So the, that's that's your part. Your part is that in all your ways, acknowledge him. It's, if you've heard of an if-then statement, so if you do what he, if you trust him, acknowledge him, lean on him in everything that you do, then... So you can't trust him with some of it. You can't depend on him with some of it. It's when you do all of it, then will God come in and do his part, which is, first of all, he, he is God. God is in all roles. He got every role. See, we got that one role he gave us. He's every role. He, he can be whatever he needs to be in whatever situation. He the only is somebody that can do that. He shall. Shall and will is two completely different things. If you've ever been to church, you didn't heard a sermon about the difference between shall and will. Shall is a conveyance of a promise. And the one thing that I know is my God don't break no promises. And then direct your past. Tell you what to do, but how to do it. And then the other part, depending on the version you read, is he says it will make your path straight. God will make a way out of no way. He'll figure some stuff out, smooth some stuff, make some things happen that we have no power to make happen. But again, it comes only when we do our part, which is to trust him and acknowledge him. To acknowledge means to know him. That means that you're actively working to have a relationship. He the only one who doesn't change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We the ones who flip-flop. We the ones who let the world tell us what to do. We the ones who let the world dictate what success look like and what it don't. So we need to stop because what God has for us, first of all, he created us for a specific purpose. That means there is no, there's no plan. There's no, there's no, there's nothing for you to follow. You're going to be, he's going to show, only God can show you. There's no mentor out there that's going to say, then you do this. And it, there's people who can help you. But at the end of the day, if you don't have him, it doesn't matter who else or what else you think you have. So trust God. And that's it. Thank y'all. Cause I got lost for a minute.
Uh, well, you, if I was lost, then I'm scared for you to be found. <laughs> I'm I, just saying. I, I, I got excited. And that happens to me all the time, too, by the way. So the thing that I absolutely love, y'all, and I really, really want you to get this. I say this all the time. But hopefully in this conversation, this is opening up a new perspective for you. Your comfort and your conviction can never coexist. God doesn't care how comfortable you are. He doesn't care about your bank account. He doesn't care about your resume. He doesn't care about the people who know your name. He doesn't care about any of that. He's checking your faith. God knew your end from your beginning. But then all this stuff happens in the middle. Things people do to us, things people said to us that make us lose our way or we fall into this whole ego that then gets in your way. And so I want to encourage you. I know from my own journey, entrepreneurship is not easy, but the blessings that I've got for every moment of hard, every moment of scared, every moment of wanting to quit, <laughs> and I've stayed in it, every moment that I had the discipline to obey the direction and not what my flesh was feeling, because trust and believe. I had the same issue. So does Oprah. So does uh, T.D. Jakes. I can go on and on. We all have it. As long as you're in the flesh, you're going to battle the flesh. I want to encourage you. This is one of the reasons why I create community. So whether it's me or some other coach, get in a community, y'all, because your faith is only going to grow when you're around other people that can help it. Yes, you've got to spend time with God. Yes, you need that, too. But the thing I've learned in my own journey is that who I be is because I have people of faith around me. My prayer partner who would just call out and say, girl, I was praying this morning and this dropped in my spirit. And when she calls me like that, she's always exact thing I'm dealing with in that moment. Or I, I see it coming. And the same happens vice versa. So I'm sharing that with you not to brag. But what I'm saying is God does his best work when you allow it. He gives us free will. He won't make you do a thing. If you want to mess up, just like, you know, when my stepkids or my bonus children mess up, okay. So you didn't listen, okay. So how's that working for you? When they come back and they'll say, oh, it's not working. Okay. So shall we do something different? In other words, I told you about what to do, but you didn't listen. But I never say that. Shall we do something different? And that's the same thing God is saying to you, my daughter, my son. Are you ready to get in alignment with all that I have for you? When will you spend some time so I can talk to you? When will you stop letting fear or doubt or yesterday hinder my greatest gift that has yet to come for you. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Faith Purpose Profit Podcast. Now I want you to walk away from these episodes with value. So I want you to write down the answers to one of these questions. Number one, what was your greatest takeaway? Number two, what will you do different as a result of what you heard? You may have heard something you've heard before, or you may have learned something new. Either way, don't take the insight that you got for granted. I want you to commit to doing one thing different as a result of what you heard. And then I want you to share it. Share your takeaways in our Facebook group. Go to thebrilliancetribe.com and use the hashtag FPP podcast. Now, the last thing I want to ask you to do, if you got any value out of this episode is to share it with your community. Post it on social media. Tell people to join our conversation by going to fpppodcast.com. 
Now until the next time, be extraordinary, be unapologetic, be bodaciously all that God created you to be as you connect your faith with purpose so that as you be the answer you were born to be in this world, God can give you the profit you deserve as a gift for a job well done.